stop there. I'd said repenting of wrongdoing, wrong being, wrong thinking, and wrong talking. Don't raise your hands, but some of us talk wrong sometimes. Some of us think wrong sometimes. Some of us do wrong sometimes. And some of us, we be wrong. <laughs> oh boy, this is going to be fun. It's like, you be wrong. <laughs> you ever said anything to your wife and she's like, that ain't right. <laughs> you be wrong. <laughs> so that's what I mean by being wrong. Uh, it's not always, I'm not always wrong, but I, most of the time I am. <laughs> she, she said, I ain't saying a word. <laughs> She's quiet up here, y'all. <laughs> sometimes we be wrong. Even if we think we're right sometimes. Anybody ever argued and then you found out, I was wrong when I was arguing. What I was arguing about, I was wrong. <laughs> most of us wouldn't admit it. You're wrong, but you're too afraid to admit it because then that means they would be right. And, well, let's just go right along here. Doing. I want us to do what's right. So if we're repenting of something we're doing, it means we're repenting of doing something wrong, which we all have done and probably will do again. So... God wants us to do well, and he wants us to do the word of God. And I'll read some scripture to back all these things up in just a little bit. And in being, he wants us to be obedient and not be disobedient. So being disobedient is harmful to us. Adam was disobedient in the garden, and he got put out of the garden, him and Eve, by being disobedient to what God told them to do. Amen? So disobedience is not good. It always removes us from the presence of God. Disobedience separates us from the presence of God. And I'm not saying God pulls away from you and leaves you. I'm saying there's, it causes a separation between us and God through disobedience. Saul, in the Old Testament, King Saul was disobedient to God and Samuel the prophet came to Saul and said, because of your disobedience, the kingdom, of, the kingdom your kingdom, has been taken from you and given to, to another man. And if you read the scriptures, you find out that David was that other man that God gave the kingdom to, the kingdom of Israel. So through disobedience, if we be disobedient, it's hurtful or harmful to us, okay? So God wants us to be obedient. God wants us to be transformed. And God wants us to be fruitful. So being, it, there's a whole lot of scripture, and I won't go to all of them, not even just a few of them tonight, that being obedient it's like when God says, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He told Adam and Eve. And they became fruitful and they multiplied and they replenished the earth. Do you realize that all of us here, and that's, you know, there's maybe a hundred people here or a little more. 
every one of us, if we trace back where we came from, will go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Every one of us. Say, wait a minute. I didn't know we was kinfolks. We all kinfolks. All of us. We kinfolks. God wants us to be fruitful. And not just be fruitful and multiply with children. God wants us to be fruitful in the spirit realm and multiply in the spirit realm. He wants us to receive the seed of the word of God and become fruitful. He said, it's my will and my plan that you bear much fruit. Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it will be done unto you. He said, if you just abide in me, you'll bear fruit. But I want you to bear much fruit. So we've got to hang on. We've got to bear fruit. But he wants us to hang on to him for him to be the source of our fruit. Is everybody with me on this? I'm telling you, if you want to be like Jesus, if we're going to be a grape on a grapevine, we've got to stay attached to the grapevine. Jesus put it this way. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And all the fruit comes on the branches, that's us, but the supply comes from the vine, that's him. So without him, we're a branch that's cut off that bears no fruit. God wants us to remain attached to him so that we can bear much fruit. Okay? So that's in being. He wants us to be fruitful. In thinking, he wants us to repent of wrong thinking. I've thought wrong before. Sometimes I think wrong right now. God wants us to repent of thinking wrong. When we find out that our thinking is not correct, God wants us to repent, and that means to turn, to change the way we think. Now, here's one I'm probably going to camp out more on tonight. Is he wants us to repent of talking. Talking negative. Talking corrupt. You say, what, how do you talk corrupt? In Ephesians 4.29, these are not on, I don't have them on the notes, I'm sorry. Ephesians 4.29, the Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers, to those that hear. Only let those kind of words come out of your mouth. I've been guilty of not letting good words come out of my mouth, that it might build someone up and lift them up and minister grace to them. And I got thinking about that scripture, that, if I speak words that are good and uplifting and it ministers grace to those that hear, then grace is the power of God, the ability of God that I need to overcome anything or any circumstance. So hearing the word of God, a good word of God from yourself to yourself or from someone else, but if you hear a word of God that ministers grace to you, it's giving you power and ability in your life to overcome something. 
See, if, if someone encourages you, they say, man, that was good. You did good, and you're awesome, and all that, it makes you feel good. But if they come to you and say, you're sorry, no good for nothing, and that causes problems. You see how corrupt communication comes out of our mouth sometimes, and it don't minister grace? But the good communication that comes out of our mouth when we bless someone and not curse them, when we say good things about them, and when y'all say good things about me, it builds me up, ministers grace to me. When I got the grace of God, I can do anything. See, without the grace of God, I won't be able to go through the troubles and the trials that I face. Without God's grace, you won't be able to go through the troubles and trials that you're going through. It takes the grace of God to get us through. Paul prayed to God. Lord, deliver me from this thorn in the flesh. And it said he prayed three times and asked the Lord. The King James says thrice. That means three. Who knows those trace? I don't know what Choctaw. What's Choctaw for three? Anybody know? Huh? What is it? Tachina? Tachina? We got all kind of language. I would talk in tongues, but it might upset someone. But three times he asked God to deliver me from this thorn in the flesh. Any of y'all ever had a thorn in the flesh? The Bible says that thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. So I'm telling you, we've all had thorn in the flesh. Don't look around. We've had a thorn in the flesh. It was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet us. And God didn't tell him, no, I'm not going to deliver you. That's what I heard in sermons when I was a young Christian. I heard, well, God said no. God didn't say no. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. So what Paul needed to get through the trial that he was in was God's grace. And I'm here to tell you that what you need to get you through what you're going through is God's grace. And sometimes it takes somebody saying ministering grace to you that's saying something good to you that will encourage you and build you up and say, you know what? God likes me too. <clears throat> See, the devil's going to try to convince you that God's mad at you, that he don't like you and you don't deserve what you've been asking him for. But I'm here to tell you. The devil's a liar. You're a child of God. And you deserve everything that Jesus bought and paid for. And handed it to us and said there it is. It's yours by faith you receive it. Say so another good thing. If, if you speak good words to somebody. You'll build them up in faith. When you hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. When you have the word of God brought to you. When someone reads out loud to you. Or you read out loud to yourself. Faith comes alive in your heart. And by faith you can move mountains. Man I'm getting off of my notes. But <laughs> I told you there's a lot of scriptures there. I'm going to probably camp out on the one about talking. Because a lot of that, that's a lot of that talking's our biggest problem. I've I've been told if I'd keep my mouth shut, things would be all right. That was a long time ago. Not well, yeah, it was quite a while ago. 
it was when I was in school. It wasn't my wife telling me that. She's not that mean. But it's like in, when I was in high school, I didn't really want to be there. And if I decided I need to be talking to somebody about a car or something, the teacher would be like, you don't need to be talking. And so my mouth was a big problem. But really what was in my heart was my biggest problem. Okay? Can I just give you a lesson on one-on-one? That out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. And really... Good things that come out of our mouth is because we have good things in abundance in our heart. So if we're really, if we say bad stuff all the time, it's really not a mouth problem. It's a heart problem. Amen. I'm just saying, if we'll get our hearts right with God and repent when we know that we're not talking right, it's like when something comes out of our mouth and we know Ooh, I shouldn't have said that. Just repent. And that don't mean beg God to forgive you. It means I've got to change the way I'm talking. I have to change the way I'm thinking when I'm thinking wrong. I've got to change the way I be if I be wrong. And the things I'm doing, i got to do what needs to be done right in order to repent That means I'm not going to do that, what I'm doing wrong. I'm going to begin to do what God told me to do. And really it's simple. If we just see what God's plan is, you say, it ain't that simple. I've been searching for this thing for years. Like I said the other day, I've been a Christian for 45 years. And I've been filled with the Holy Spirit for 40 years. And I'm still growing. And I still got problems. And I still need everything that I'm teaching you. I need every bit of it too. Is that fair? So it's not like, hey, I'm up here. I've arrived and I'm giving you a lecture tonight on what you need to do. I'm giving us a lecture and it'll help all of us. Amen. If I'll receive what I'm saying, my wife tells me I need to practice what I preach. I think every preacher should practice what they preach if they preach good word. Amen. So, moving right along. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 18. And this is in the King James. It says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man... For conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? In other words, if you're wrong and you're being buffeted for doing wrong and you take it patiently, big deal. You deserve it. I'm just, I threw that in. God didn't say that. But, you know, sometimes we do wrong and we get in trouble for it and we can't say, man, I'm such a good guy. I did wrong and I'm taking the, the blunt of it here. No, here's, listen to this. He said, but if when you do well, and that I'm talking about doing, when you do well and suffer for it, 
you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. When we get told how bad we are and we know we just did what we needed to do and we can keep our mouth shut and take it patiently, now we're really going somewhere with God. That's what God's looking for. It's like when I know I'm right and they tell me I'm wrong, I'm going to get in their face and tell them how right I am. That's what I'm used to. But see, God wants me, listen, let me read this again. But if when you do well, when you're doing good and doing right, and you suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. That leaves most of us out. No amens. Old Lon ain't here tonight. Usually he says, Amen. God wants us. Now, God ain't trying to put us through trouble, but when we get told something and we know we're right, God don't want us to blow up on everybody and let them know we know we're right. Just take it patiently. Now you're going somewhere. That's what this is, this is what this is saying. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. You remember in Isaiah when it was prophesying of Jesus, as it said, he's like a lamb led to the slaughter, and he opened not his mouth. I mean, they was beating on Jesus, taking him to the cross, and he didn't say a word. Boy, I could learn a lot from that. I could. And I'm sure there's two or three of y'all that could also. I mean, because we want to make sure they know what we're thinking. When, when you're being led to the slaughter and you open not your mouth, See, the thing about Jesus, everything that come out of his mouth is truth. It not just was truth, it is truth. And he knew just he had to keep his mouth shut. The Bible says he could have called down a legion of angels and been delivered. He could have just said, Lord, send me some angels down here, and God would have done it and delivered him out. But then we wouldn't have been able to be delivered. So Jesus went ahead and walked through the pain and the suffering on our behalf so we wouldn't have to. Thank God he kept his mouth shut. Amen. He opened not his mouth. Look at Romans chapter 12 and 2. And I'm going to read out of the King James first. <clears throat> it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, if our mind needs to be transformed and changed, and it does on a continual basis, 
our mind, our carnal mind is enmity to God. It's opposed to what God says. Romans 8 says. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8 says that the carnal mind is opposed to God. It's not subject to God. It's like, I don't, I don't pay no attention to that. But thank God we have a spiritual mind within us, the born-again spirit within us. We have a spiritual mind. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. Did y'all know that we, if we're born again, we have the mind of Christ? It's in the Bible. We. It's like, man, I, don't, I, don't, I ain't never heard that one before. We have the mind of Christ within us. And God wants us to renew our mind to the Word of God and be transformed when we are being renewed, we're being transformed or changed into that person that God wants us to be, that he's called us to be. It's a process. I, I don't think we're going to get there until Jesus comes back. He's still going to be working on me because i got a long ways to go. And I mean, let's... He waits about another hundred years to come back. I don't know when he's coming back. He's coming back. I just know that. It's probably going to take at least another hundred years. And I don't figure I'll live that much longer. Not a not hundred years. I'm going to live much longer, but not a hundred years longer. I want to be true and faithful on that deal here. I'm not going to, be, I'm not going to live to be 167. Okay? But I am planning on living a long time. But if I live to be 100 years old, I figure there's still some things that Jesus be working on me. There's some areas in my mind that needs to be transformed. And it needs to be changed with and by the Word of God. And that's how we become more like Him and begin to think more like Him is with the mind of Christ that's within us and allow His Word and His Spirit to enter us and change the way we think. And once we start changing the way we think and we start thinking more the way God wants us to think, it's a lot easier to start saying the things that God calls us to say. Because our heart starts getting right. We start allowing the word of God into our hearts. And when we get pressure on us. How many of y'all use Crest toothpaste? Anybody? Crest? There's some Crest fans right there. When you got your toothpaste. You take the lid off of it. And you squeeze on that toothpaste tube. And it's got some in it. What comes out of the toothpaste? Out of the tube. Toothpaste. The kind you wanted. If you're filled with the word of God. And operating in the spirit of God. And the mind of Christ. When you get pressure on you. Something's going to come out of you. You know what? Even if you're not filled with the Word of God, <laughs> let's, let's just back up a little bit here. Let's just, let's just put it this way. All of us get pressure put on us, and sometimes some stuff comes out that we's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Why? Why did that stuff come out when we're born-again believers? 
because we need our minds renewed to the Word of God and be more full of the Word of God than we are that other stuff, that stuff that comes out, you know, when you get pressure put on you. I hope this is a good illustration. I feel like God gave me this a long time ago. It's like, dude, whatever's in you, when you get pressure put on you, that's what's coming out. So you just test yourself. I'm not testing you. I'm not judging you. You know what comes out when pressure is applied. Okay? So we can judge ourselves and realize, you know what? I need a little bit more of the Word of God. I need to be transformed just a little bit more with God's Word. And that's what it takes, a continual transformation in our life with the Word of God. Now, look at the people translation of this same scripture in Romans chapter 2, uh, 12, verse 2. I'm sorry. It says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. It's going to transform us by the way we think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Woo! I like that translation. That's talking about y'all. This scripture is talking about y'all. This scripture is talking about us. Hmm. Live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. I want you to get this. Did I just read to you that it's talking about you in His eyes? In God's eyes is how He sees you. See, our biggest problem is we look at us with our natural carnal eyes and we see us, you know, that stuff when you get pressure put on you, we see us that way and He sees us when we, as we renew our mind, He sees us living a satisfying and perfect life in His eyes. God looks at the end from the beginning and calls you done before you ever get in the oven. I'm going to let it soak in. Just, just take some time. Bathe in it a little while. God loves you and he loves me. And he ain't calling us all those names that the devil's been telling us we are. Amen. He looks at us and sees the end results from the very beginning. The Bible says God calls those things that be not as though they were. And I, many times I've told you this out of Hebrews uh, or Romans chapter 4 where it talks about God telling Abraham I've made you the father of many nations as far as God was concerned Abraham was already the father of many nations and he didn't have no kids but God said you're the father of many nations and it took him time to get a hold of it and it takes us time to get a hold of what God's trying to tell us on a daily basis how much He loves us, how much He cares for us, who we are in Him. We're not who the devil says we are. We're not who your neighbor says you are. We're who God says we are. 
We just need to renew our mind with his word and get in agreement with what he says about us to become who he wants us to be. We be made right. Amen? We be made right with his word and his spirit. Knowing the will of God helps us to recognize what's wrong and what is right. If I don't really know what the Bible says, then the enemy can lie to me and I won't know it's the enemy lying to me. See, I was told a long time ago when you, after I got saved, when you mess up, the Holy Spirit's just going to come and he's going to hound you and he's going to condemn you. If you do something wrong, that bad feeling you have, when you do something wrong, you have a bad feeling. And the devil will condemn us for what we do wrong. But the Holy Spirit will convict us of who we are. There's a difference. See, don't raise your hands. I'll just put it this way. When you do something wrong, there's something inside of you saying, eh, I shouldn't have done that. If you're born again. But... Then when that word comes to your mind and starts running you down and telling you how bad and how sorry and you shouldn't have done that, let me tell you, let me encourage you, that that is not God. That's the devil condemning you for doing something wrong that he tempted you to do. See, the devil, he's pretty slick. He'll tempt you to do something. Then you do it and then he'll tell you how stupid you was for doing it. I don't like the devil. It's like, dude, you're the one that told me to do it. You know, if you got, if you had a big brother or a big sister, I got a big sister left. My brother's gone, but they, my brother was the worst one. He'd be telling me to do something, and I'd do it, and get in trouble. Would be like, I shouldn't have done that. Y'all, some of y'all got big brothers, and you watched him. And it's like, ooh, he saved me because uh, I seen him get beat. <laughs> I ain't doing that. I ain't going there. See, we could learn a lot if we just pay attention to the Word of God back to the condemnation, the condemnations of the devil to get on to us about anything that he tempted us to do and we fell into that temptation. The Holy Spirit will convict us of righteousness. Let me explain to you this. The devil will tell you, you're dumb and stupid, you did this. And you know you did it, so you get in agreement with the devil and you think you're dumb and stupid. Quit thinking that way. Here's the way the Holy Ghost does, see. When you do something wrong, yeah, it was wrong, but you repent, like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. Lord, I did this. And he goes, all right, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Now act like it. See, this, there's a difference in God telling you who you are in Him versus the devil condemning you for what you did. God will always encourage you with the Word of God. You say, I don't believe that, Pastor Jimmy. Let me tell you. Jesus said in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting 
life. And the very next verse said, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't send Jesus to condemn us, the only one that could condemn us. He didn't come to condemn us. Remember the woman caught in adultery? And, and it's like, Jesus said, Let the man without any sin cast the first stone. They already had the rocks picked up. It's like, ooh, okay. Uh, look, Jesus asked her, says, Where are those who accuse you? Are there none? She said, none. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus was the only one that had no sin. He could have stoned her to death legally under the law. It was an offense to be stoned to death. Thank God for grace. Thank God Jesus come in on the scene and changed the old covenant into the new covenant. Now we live instead of die. We forgiven instead of condemned. I'm about to preach myself happy. He, he got us off the hook. We were all on the hook. He took us off the hook and threw us back in the lake. He said, go grow up. Catch and release. <laughs> I, I used to fish with a friend of mine. He's dead now. You remember Rooster? <laughs> that dude is like, it's like is, that, is that walleye big enough? He said, put it in the live well. <laughs> so wait a minute, we need to measure it. He said, it's big enough to eat. There ain't no game wardens in here, are they? <laughs> He's dead anyway. <laughs> I'm going to put it all over on him anyway. He's the one that did all that stuff. Yeah, it's like, that dude's big enough to eat. I know none of y'all ever done anything wrong. Isn't it nice to have a preacher get up and tell you stuff he did wrong? <laughs> That was a long time ago. I mean, that's been two weeks at least. I mean, no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's about 20 years ago, that guy. But it's like, you know, we done stupid stuff. But, you know, God wouldn't sit in there tapping me on the shoulder and say, you're going to hell for that. But some preachers convince us that if you're going 56 in a 55-mile-an-hour zone and you get have a wreck and go die, well, they tell you where you're going, but I ain't going that far. But it's like, you un you're not forgiven. You, you, you're out of the law there, and you died and went to hell. Man, it'd be sad to live under those conditions. I did for a while. He's like, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I know the Bible said, if I confess with my mouth, Lord Jesus, believe in my heart, God raised him from the dead, I'll be saved. But, and there ain't no but in there. <laughs> and that wasn't no pun intended. I'm, I'm just telling you, we add so much stuff to the Bible, it's hard for us to even be Christians anymore. God loves us. When we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're His kids. He loves us. You got kids, they mess up. You still love them. You better. <laughs> you should. You're supposed to. <laughs> Somebody need to give me an amen up here. I'm begging. <laughs> Please. Yeah, they're my kids. Yeah, they messed up. But we love them. Yeah, everybody is messed up. And, and in the body of Christ, we mess up. 
and God still loves us. We're still his kids. And all we need to do is change the way we think, change the way we talk, change the way we act. Do some changing. God, by his spirit and his word, will transform us and change us into the image that he wants us to be. It's just a process of time. Some of you are getting some transformation tonight. You come back next week and Sunday, you're going to get some more transformation. Amen? And we get in the Word of God and look and read and see what He says. It transforms us. It changes us from day to day. We got a long way to go, and it may be we it may not be a short time to get there. We may have a long time. You know, we 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 got time. Even if we only have a day, we still got time to make some changes. Look at Ephesians three twenty. Says now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in that worketh in us. Him that's able to do abundantly above all we can ask or think. Our thinking is not big enough. Let me say that again. Our thinking is not big enough because God is able to do abundantly above all we ever ask for or we could even imagine or think in our head God's able to do it. So our thinking needs to enlarge into the kingdom of God's way of thinking that God can do anything and the Bible says we can do all things through Christ that gives us the strength to do it so by his grace and his word we're able to do a whole lot more in this life than we've been doing now I'm not talking about works I'm talking about just believing God for the impossible believing God for the bigger I ain't, I'm not that I'm not the prosperity preacher, but I believe in prosperity. Above all, I would you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's the Bible. Above all, brethren, I would that you would prosper. And there's another word of be. Remember one that was becoming or being? That you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God wants us to be in health. I'm going to add to this as we go. I may preach on this again next Wednesday night if she don't get on to me about <laughs> preaching on the Holy Ghost. We might get a vote. No, we're not going to do that. I found out you start voting in there to be like the Republicans and Democrats. You have a split in the house and you have two churches instead of one. I like to be a dictator. It's like this is what we're going to do. <laughs> How y'all like it? I'm just kidding, you know. No, no, we ain't going to vote. I, I mean, I, I've seen some things happen in church. And it's like, uh-oh, this is causing some problems, not a small stir. That means it's going to be a big one. It's not a small one. Well, <laughs> I didn't even get to the part where I was wanting to go to. It's about talking, about what you're saying. Let me read a couple of quick scriptures quickly in Psalms. 1914, that sounds like a year or something happened around here. (laughs) 
When was it? It's 1911's when Broken Bow become a city, wasn't it? Somewhere along there, just three years after Broken Bow, 1914. It said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Look at Psalms 3730. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of judgment. It speaks wisdom, not foolishness. I added that word. If you got notes and it says not foolishness, that's not in the scripture. I added that. We should be speaking wisdom, not foolishness. We're all guilty at times of speaking foolishness. God wants us to speak wisdom. Out of his mouth comes wisdom. So if we say what he says, we're going to be speaking wisdom. Amen. I'm already out of time. I'll say this till next time. If, if I get permission to talk on repentance, I'll find out. <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't care who you say, you know, what you say about that. Ain't it? Is, would it be all right if I go one more week on repentance and then we'll, we'll get off on Holy Ghost? <laughs> well, maybe. I, I'm going to find out for sure. But we... I think I get to preach in not next Sunday. Hey, Andrew Womack, I think. Isn't he going to be here this coming Sunday? Not here it live, but we'll be getting him video. And I'm pretty sure after that I might get to preach that Sunday morning. If I do, I'm going to finish up on repentance that Sunday morning. Okay? So I want to go back to the thoughts. Remember T-Bar? Thought, believe, actions, and results. That's something we all need to get in our heart. I'm going to go back and bring some of that out on that Sunday, the next Sunday that I get to preach. So let me pray for us before we go home. We got notes. If we didn't have enough notes made for tonight, we'll make some more. If you didn't get a copy, just holler at us at the end of the service. We'll make sure you get a copy, okay? Praise God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, that we can be everything that you've called us to be. We can do everything you've called us to do. And we can go anywhere you tell us to go. But I pray, Lord, that we'd just be willing and obedient. Eat the good of the land. I pray, Father, that this resonates in our hearts tonight. That we get a hold of the truth. That, Lord, that, that we've repented and you've forgiven us of all of our sin. And you've cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Now we repent as we go through life in, in meaning that we change the way we think. We change the direction we've been going at times. And we thank you, Father, for the grace that it takes for us to overcome the obstacles that we face in our life. And we give you praise, glory, and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we'll be up here to pray for you at the end of the service. You come up, we'll be glad to lead you in a prayer into the kingdom of God. If you need prayer for any reason, if you've not been feeling well, if the enemy's tempting you to become sick, come up and let us pray for you. We're going to believe that God brought health and healing to your body. Amen. Any other reason, if you need prayer, come up and we'll be glad to pray for you. Other than that, we love you guys, and thank you for being here. Y'all be safe out on the road. We'll see you Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Andrew Womack's going to be good, I promise you. 
We'll see you then. We love you guys. found 